If you uh, if you want to, you can take a moment to tweet or text a friend and say, hey, Bethany Church is on Facebook Live this morning. Uh, you can do that right now. That would be an acceptable use of your mobile device. Or you may also look up Matthew chapter 6, chapter uh, 6, starting at verse 1. If you're in that red Bible, it's page 803. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Continuing in this Sermon on the Mount, and today we are getting into an exciting topic, and we're calling this, Don't Be Like That. Matthew 6. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets and call, calling attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray. Hypocrites love to pray. Who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. And then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins and as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. And then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. While reaching back uh, quite a few years, when I was in college, I, uh, I spent a few years working weekends at, a, at an AMFM radio station. Uh, I fancied I would be some kind of broadcaster, and I worked for an AM, I mean, an FM station called Star FM, easy listening station. They would say stuff like, the stars are always out on Star FM, things like that. Um, and it was about as exciting as, you, as it sounds. Uh, and then for the benefit of experience, I, I volunteered on the AM station, which was adult contemporary, and I was, I, I wrote and recorded a weekly, um, new music review uh, show. So back then it was off of CDs and vinyl. Um, some of you remember that, right? Remember that? Remember when, when uh, there was a time when your music collection required a big, huge shelf in your house or, or milk crates full of records? I miss those days uh, a, a lot. 
Um, well, it was, that was a fun time in my life, and it was fun doing that show. Um, but I worried about doing badly and embarrassing my family. My, my parents were quite well known in the area, and so I used a pseudonym, a fake name, as part of my, uh, sort of my radio personality, and it was, you know, that's a big ego business. And so fake names are, you know, sort of part of the, the you know, the charm of the industry. It was then, I think it still is. Um, and you could say in a way that that made me a hypocrite, right? Because now a harmless hypocrite, but hypocritical in that I was presenting myself as something I wasn't. Well, that's one form of hypocrisy, but there are worse forms of hypocrisy. That word hypocrite is such a trigger word for us. Uh, you know, you've heard people say, oh, you Christians, you're all a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, maybe you've said that about people you've encountered too. Or maybe you've said that about yourself. Oh, I feel like such a hypocrite, right? And the last thing any of us want to be labeled is hypocrite. It's a, it's a terrible thing to, to, to hear. And we've all uh, met them, you know, people who, who impress with big spiritual talk um, only to be, you know, a big embarrassment to the faith when they're at work or when they're on the ball field. And so the problem is that then we, we also mistakenly, and I say this is a mistake, where we mistakenly think that a, a person struggling in their walk with Christ is hypocritical too. Think, oh, that person needs to get their act together. Um, you know, and so we think, oh, if, if people see my imperfect walk with Christ, they'll think I'm a hypocrite. And so in our fear of being labeled a, a hypocrite, we often just shut up because we don't want that label. Well, as we just read in this passage, Jesus did not define you a, a hypocrite as someone who's struggling in their walk, struggling to, to obey, struggling to grow in their life. Jesus defined quite pre- precisely what he meant when he used this word hypocrite. He was talking about religious people who do their religious deeds in order to be noticed by others. Right? They do their religious deeds in order to be noticed by others rather than as an act of service to God. So that's hypocrisy, putting on a religious show. That's not one of the, the fill-ins on your, on your outline today, but you, you can jot that down. So if you're doing your religious deeds so that you're noticed by people. Now, this does create a problem. If you've been tracking in this series uh, with us the last several weeks, you might recall that um, just a few paragraphs back, Jesus said this, right? You're the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Wait, wait. So are they supposed to be secret? Or are they supposed to be public? This is a little bit of a conundrum for us, right? So, um, well, we're going to come back to that. But we need to establish something else first regarding these particular and other spiritual practices or habits of devotion or, you know, classically called spiritual disciplines. And namely this, that these are not optional practices for the Christian. These are not optional practices. Jesus assumed we practice habits of devotion. In particular here talking about charity, prayer and fasting. Jesus assumed we'd practice habits of devotion. See, as you saw, Jesus said, when you give to the poor, when you pray, when you fast, right? Not if you just do these things. So that's really the first test of, of my heart and, and of all of our hearts this morning is, 
is this because it's easy to point our fingers at other people, you know, and say, oh, they're so hypocritical. They're such a hypocrite. But we need to look in the mirror and ask, am I practicing habits of devotion? When my sons were uh, first driving on their own, you know, I did not say, if you speed, this is what happens. I said, when you exceed the speed limit, Here's what you're doing and the consequences you could face. Why? Because young men are inclined to speed. Some older men, too, and moms and dads, too, right? But it's in their nature. We assume that that's what they're going to do. And in the same way, Jesus assumed his followers would be inclined to these practices, including charity, prayer, fasting. Now, not saying that these things come naturally or easily. Uh, I, I learned this week that in the USA, the average giving to all charities, so including hospitals, government, uh, you know, political parties, everything, the average giving to charity in the U.S. is $795 per person. So roughly $3,200 for a family of four annually to charity. Um, I, hope you're, I, hope, I hope you're above average. Uh, Christians, on average, give 1.8% of their income to charity of some kind, so nonprofit of some kind. It's not very high. And so we know that these don't just come easily or naturally. They're learned habits. They're learned practices. Um, they're called disciplines for a reason. Um, Jesus' three examples course, are not the only habits of faithfulness. You could have things like church attendance and Bible reading and witnessing and so on. But these habits of, of charity and fasting and prayer, in particular, in particular, these things help to keep us humble. We're giving out stuff away. We're declaring our need, our, our dependences on God when we do that. Right? And committed to the welfare of others. Now, we want to keep in mind, too, that Jesus was speaking to uh, Jews who were already doing these things. They were already practicing. They'd already been taught to do so. Well, why? Why? I'll tell you this reason. Something amazing happens in your heart when you give and when you pray and even when you fast with no strings attached. But the secret, Jesus is saying, is to do so with such discretion, right, that you barely even know yourself what you're doing. As Jesus says that so that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing. That sounds reckless, doesn't it? Especially, I mean, those of us who like to keep track of things, that's just reckless. One of our sister churches uh, up north, they're called Main Street Church, they proclaim one of their core values, if you go to their website and kind of look through our core values of the church, one of them is uh, we teach irrational generosity. Irrational generosity. Right? Just just be crazy in what you give. Um, recently, they bought a, a playground for a public, not a private, a public school. It cost them $19,000. They just collected the money and said, we want to build a playground for our school because it's good for the neighborhood. No good reason to do that. Right? A year ago, they bought a car for a Syrian refugee family and then gave them $7,500 to keep the thing gassed up and insured and running for at least a year or more. I mean, just irrational stuff that, that, that they've been doing. And, and there's no benefit to themselves in that. And there's no obvious gain, but I bet you every person who contributed to those projects was excited to see the joy in those people's faces. 
They're thrilled to be a part of it. Last, uh, last fall, around um, shortly before Christmas, the home of our friend uh, in Baguio City, the Philippines, Pastor Sam Arcano, his, his home was burglarized while he was at, at church in Sunday morning service. And he came home, his computers were gone, his phone, uh, some cash. Now, to us, it wasn't a big amount. It wasn't a great big need, right? But several of you, and I don't even know, you know who all did so, but several of you stepped up to help get Pastor Sam up and going again with that computer. And I'll bet that those of you who gave, you don't even miss the money. You don't even notice that it's gone. But you're a huge blessing to the ministry there. So there's Pastor Sam's computer. I think, oh, it's just a computer. But you don't, you've got to understand, that's a huge thing for him. When you give, you're a blessing to others and it does something good in your own heart. Now here in Fresno, there's, there's no, shortage, no shortage of practical needs. And I know it's easy to avoid if... If we, you know, on my, my commute to, to work, I come up along Clovis and I come up across the top of Fresno. It all looks beautiful everywhere that I drive every day, right? So it's easy to avoid all the problems. Uh, but the needs are huge. And I appreciated someone this week posted an outstanding video on our private Facebook page. If you're not on that, you just request and we'll put you on that. On our private Facebook page, reminding us that, you know, a dollar... Uh, you know, given to one of the serving agencies like Rescue Mission or Poverella House or Evangel Home, uh, that kind of dollar goes further than a dollar you give, say, to a panhandler. And, and the dollar you give to a panhandler might actually keep them from going and getting the help that they need. But nevertheless, Jesus assumed that you and I would help the poor among us without expecting a nice pat on the back in return from people. So my question is, you know, are we those people? Are we doing those things am i and are you are we doing charity are we giving to the poor that the, the kind of the old term for it is alms giving giving to the poor now the other examples that jesus gives are similar prayer and fasting my problem is probably not that i do too much of these being honest right but again jesus assumed that we would do all of these and i I'm, we're not going to address the lord's prayer today in fact what we'll do after easter we'll take several weeks and we'll just dive deep into the Lord's Prayer for several weeks. Um, but I do want to say something about verses 14 and 15. We'll put that on the screen here. Let me read this for you. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. If you want to grow in your habits of devotion, spiritual practices like charity and prayer and fasting, you have got to break through in forgiveness. So if you've yielded your life to Christ, if you've confessed your sins, you've trusted God for salvation, right? you are on the hook to forgive others. And I know, I know it's hard, right? And it's not fair. And the person who harmed you might never apologize. They might not even be alive. They might not even be anywhere you can access them. They might be around, but they're unwilling or unable to admit that they did anything wrong. And still, you need to forgive. And I'm not kidding on this, church. This is serious. If you want to enjoy and receive the forgiveness that God has for you, you've got to forgive. And if you can safely do so, and and it's the right thing, you can go to that person and seek to make it right. But let me warn you, your freedom and your healing is not dependent on whether or not you receive an apology from someone else. Your healing does not 
land on that. You can't. But you also can't thrive spiritually until you choose to release, to forgive, to let it go. To give it to the Lord. And if it's something really tough, you're, you may well need some help. Someone can kind of walk with you through that. And, and I can help. We can help you with that. But you've got to forgive. All right. The third habit that Jesus then mentioned after almsgiving and, and uh, prayer is fasting. And quite honestly, um, I and almost everyone I know on this is pretty weak on fasting. Uh, but I've got to say, for example, just in this last... Um, called to prayer and fasting. We did 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. I'm telling you, I found a new sort of joy and uh, appreciation for that practice. And um, again, it's not optional. Jesus assumed we would. So I would just say, be ready for the next call to fast. I won't do a lot of teaching on that because the kind of the principle is the same. It's repeated again and again. Not doing so to draw attention to yourself, but doing so for the Lord. Now, a few chapters later, in uh, Matthew 9, uh, verses 14 and 15, we read this. One day, the disciples of John, the Baptist, came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating them with the groom? Of course not. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them, and they, then they will fast. Jesus is speaking metaphorically in allusion to himself as the groom who will be taken away and in his absence, that we would fast. Right? That's Jesus, again, his assumption on those practices. Now, your pushback and mine, to be honest, is in exactly what Jesus said um, here in this passage, Matthew 6. Don't do these things to be noticed by others. And so then we think, well, how can I give an offering? You know, someone might notice. Someone might see my name on the check. Or, 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 you know, some other way. And I, and I can't pray out loud because, you know, someone's going to hear me and that makes me a hypocrite. Right? Okay. Well, then why did Jesus say in Matthew 18, where two or three of you gather in my name, I'm right there with you. Right? Why do we read in Acts chapter 2 that in the new uh, church that was formed, that the believers gathered together often for prayer together? Why would you see in Acts chapter 12 that it's as many believers had gathered to pray for the Apostle Peter who had been in prison and they were praying together for his release at the home of, of a woman named Mary, John Mark's mother, right? What about as the Ephesian elders? You see this in Acts 20. They gather together with Paul for one last time for a prayer meeting. They get down on their knees and they pray together in Acts 20. Corporate prayer, out loud corporate prayer was normal, regular practice of the early church and they were not disobedient to Jesus. You can't have corporate prayer without praying out loud. So obviously Jesus is not against out loud prayer. And and I know many of us were raised in, in an environment that said don't be flashy, don't show off, don't draw any attention to yourself. And so we've interpreted that to mean that I can't participate in any outward way with these practices. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. When we meet together for prayer, and for example, something like our Sunday morning prayer meeting, you know, we meet, we have a, a prayer meeting at 8.30 to 9 on Sunday morning. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. It's a well-led uh, prayer that prays for the things that are happening this morning. When we, when those, when prayer meetings happen, your verbalized, your spoken prayers are a help to others in the circle. And it's hard and scary for many of you. I get that, right? 
Um, those of us who are like extroverts, we just love talking. We love hearing the sound of our own voice. It's not so much a problem for us, but some, for some of you, it's like, I just, oh, I'm so nervous and I, I don't know what to say and I don't have the right words. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that as we, as we get into a prayer in a, in a few weeks. But um, even if it's a word or two, what happens is that, um, you know, your, your prayers are helpful to others and, and um, it's not a performance. Some of you feel like it's that. It's, it's more like a band or an orchestra that's, that's playing together, all those parts. And so when we, we speak up together in prayer and we encourage each other and we bless God in the process. And likewise, for giving and for fasting, you cannot expect to do these things completely anonymously. Right? Now, if you only pray publicly, you're missing out on the secret place of prayer that God has for you in the closet, so to speak, as Jesus it says here. But public deeds, public deeds, public these practices done publicly are not hypocrisy. And here's why: hypocrisy is in the motive, not in the action. Hypocrisy is in the motive, not in the action. Right? Jesus says, "Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others." And don't you know? He said, "Don't go out there and pray on the street corners." Drawing attention to yourself. Don't make it obvious when you fast. Now, does that mean you should never pray publicly? No, we just talked about that. There are times to play even in the public square. But it's why you're doing it. What's your motive for that? Right? Maintain these habits. Jesus is saying yes, but not for the recognition of people. Um, so that even if no one ever notices or says thank you, or wow, that was really great you did that. Oh, you're such a good prayer. No, that's not what we're after, right? Jesus promises that your Heavenly Father does see and He does notice. And that applies to other things too. I was thinking about that, I mean, that this morning as we're singing songs and, and, uh, and some of you have liberty and raising your hands in worship and some of you are like, oh, I don't want to draw attention to myself. You know, the Bible commands you to do that. Lift up hands. The Apostle James says, I want all men everywhere to lift their hands when they pray. And the psalmist talks about that. Lifting hands is it's a biblical practice. And some of us are saying, I'm going to disobey Scripture because I'm so scared of, of, of drawing attention to myself. I'm telling you, we've got to break through on some of these things. All right, well, I, that's more than I meant to say about that. All right, you cannot let your fear of hypocrisy keep you from doing spiritual practices because hypocrisy is in the motive, not in the action itself. Now, that's not saying that everything is completely anonymous. Sometimes it can help to be a little bit public on, on some of these deals. Um, I'll tell you two little examples at the risk of becoming a hypocrite myself in telling you these examples. So uh, recently, two um, people in our life went through a medical crisis and um, they both put up GoFundMe campaigns. So one put up a GoFundMe campaign. There's a little guy in the hospital. They need help. And uh, I thought, well, we, we like to help. We, you know, thankfully, we went through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey a few years ago, and he taught us how to have some margin in our lives. So we're like, hey, we've got some freedom and flexibility. What should we give? We talked about it as a couple. And uh, she always wants to give way more than I do. i got to tell you, I am married to a generous woman. And so whatever I say, it's usually like double. So, um, so I think we gave in between. I can't remember Right now, when you go on a GoFundMe campaign, you have the choice give anonymously or with your name on there. And I will tell you, there's a little wrestling match in my heart. Like, well, I want to like set a good example. I mean, I want people to know, like, 
I want a little bit of a ten- like Jesus can have like a little reward and I'll get the rest later. He says, that's all the reward you're going to get. And so, like, I'm telling you, this has not come naturally in our heart. We're like, oh, I, I, you know, click anonymous. Now, another example, just a few weeks later, uh, my my nephew's uh, baby is born. Lots of severe problems. And and again, they need some financial help. Now, this one was a little different. Once again, my sister-in-law, she does a GoFundMe campaign. Hey, we're looking for help. Well, this one's a little different. Because now it's a little, it's not really about like, well, it's kind of a competition. This time it's like, I really want to challenge my siblings. So I'm putting my name on this one. Not because I'm, my motive felt totally different. It wasn't like, well, I want to be noticed. It's like, oh, I'm going to give my siblings a little kick, right? So I click, absolutely click, Brian and Becky gave this. And I'm hoping the rest go, like, what? If Brian and Becky gave that, we'll give this over here. I don't know if they did or not. I didn't ever go back to look because I don't really care. But that there are times when a little bit of, like, public is okay. Uh, that, that's not, it's, a, it's about the motive. What's your motive? Do you want people to say, wow, you're really generous. You're a good giver. Um, I guess I just got all my rewards, so I'll have to give again somewhere else to get new rewards. All right? Because that leads to the next thing I want to say. This is the best part. For some of you, the hardest thing that I'm about to say, and you don't really want to accept this, that God actually rewards these practices. Right? But you get to choose. Okay? So you can either have the reward of being noticed by people or have God's rewards. But here's the thing. Rewards are cool. I, I didn't know how else to say that. Rewards are cool. Right? Now, for some of you, you're actually a little upset with me right now and your skin's crawling a little bit today. You wish I wasn't talking this because and because you give and you pray and maybe you even fast and you never do it to be rewarded, not even by God. Right. I say, well, that's fine. Good for you. But when you say, I don't care about rewards. I wonder why you say that, because you're missing out on what some of you're missing out on some of what God has for you. In these practices, Jesus said, give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret, and your father will reward you. It's a promise. Now, listen, you can say you don't care about that. But I'm telling you, God's rewards are going to be awesome. So why wouldn't you look forward to that? Why wouldn't you anticipate that? Why wouldn't you want what God rewards? Now, imagine if the Olympic Games, for example, gave out no medals, new policy this year. Snowflakes have taken over and we all get participation ribbons, right? Am I allowed to say that? Um, right? How good do you think the competition would be? Right? We'll all be Canadians. We're just happy to be here. Um, that, that's how it is up there. We're just glad to be here. They're all snowflakes up there. It's the land of snowflakes. Double, double meaning there, but... Look, if you weren't meant to be motivated by God's rewards, why would Jesus even have bothered to mention them? Why would Jesus bother telling you that the rewards are coming? And yet most Christians will say, well, I don't need rewards. I just, you know, salvation is the only reward I want. Well, there's three problems with that. First, salvation is not a reward. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift. It's a free gift for all who will believe, for all who will put their faith in Christ. It's a gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't pay it back. So that won't fly. Secondly, Jesus himself 
set the example for us when he came in humility, left the glories and splendor of heaven to be with us. Not so we would say, Jesus, that was so great you did that. But why? Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. He's writing, he says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, that's a reward. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Do you think Jesus wasn't thinking, I got something good to look forward to. I'm going to get through this. Some of you are thinking, oh, I don't, I don't want any of that. I'm saying, why wouldn't you? Because Jesus, the third thing is that Jesus taught us that rewards are available. Next week, we're going to look more specifically at Jesus' teaching on material possessions and, and money, and, you know, and, and um, we're going to see Jesus actually commands us. He commands you, store up for yourself heavenly treasure. Hey, you, some of you might want to think about this. No, it's a command of Jesus. Or you may remember parables that Jesus taught of, of, of those who invest their talents and and, and Jesus taught that the better they do, the bigger the reward. Think about your work life for a moment, whether you're currently working or retired now, thinking back. Right? Imagine that on a payday you say to your boss, you know, boss, I don't really need the reward of a paycheck this week. I mean, I'm just happy to have a job. Can you imagine how dumb that would be? Right? No, you take that check and you go deposit it in the bank. And you say, boss, could I pick up any extra shifts or, or could I do more to earn more? If I, if I, if I move up my education, could I get a raise? Right? Or even if I hire a 15 year old neighborhood kid to mow my lawn and that kid refuses to take my reward of 20 bucks, am I impressed? No. I'm offended. Take the 20 bucks, kid. Right? Friend, you're not foolish or selfish or somehow wrongly motivated to ask, What is going to please God the most and be rewarded eternally? Because that helps you give. Say, you know, I have an opportunity to give $5 to this person or $50. Well, what would God, what would please God? Well, maybe the 50. Okay. It's not wrong to pursue God's good rewards for your life. And and I would say, to, to say, oh, I don't need anything. I think that's actually an insult to God. I think it's actually an insult to our Heavenly Father. So, remember, it's not the action. In this case, we're talking about charity and prayer and fasting, but there's other things. It's not the action that's hypocritical. It's the motive. I'm always asking the question, do I seek people's approval or God's approval? So, yes, Jesus assumed that, that you and I, we would do these and other good habits. God sees what you do. He sees how you do it. He sees why you do it. And so I want to finish with one, one last question. It's in your notes there today. You can write this in. What are my practices and what's my motive? What are my practices and what's my motive? Remember, I said this isn't necessarily easy to do. And if you say, oh, I, I don't do any of this stuff. Okay. But you could start with something knowing that it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be worth it. So as you're reflecting, just think, what do I do in the area of charity? What do I do in the area of prayer? What do I do in the area of fasting? I would challenge you to think, next time we fast, I'm, I'm going to jump on board. Because there's good, godly rewards.
Test your own heart in that. Let's close in prayer. God, we're... Um, I just, I just love what Jesus taught. And Lord, it's so challenging to us. And um, I'm thankful that you do notice, Heavenly Father, the things that we do. For better or for worse. God, I ask that you would do that work in our own hearts where we would be drawn into a desire to please you and to do the things that are pleasing to you. The things that are a benefit to the people around us. Lord, forgive us for those times when we've, we've just wanted at least just a little bit of pat on the back from somebody where we've wanted to be, be noticed kind of somewhat for these good things. Lord, forgive us for that, I pray. And Lord, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be motivated by that. But Lord, we also wouldn't be afraid to be seen because it doesn't, that's not why we do that. Lord, I just ask that you would be stirring and motivating us to grow in these areas. We thank you. And church, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to remind those of you who have never come to that place of trusting your life to Christ Jesus, where you could actually call God in good conscience your Heavenly Father, Jesus makes a way for you. He, he went to the cross and He died for all your sin so that you could receive, in exchange, you could receive the free gift of salvation. He paid for the gift and now He wants to give you salvation. It's not difficult. You would pray something like this. You would say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I trust you to forgive me. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I choose to follow you for all my days. And if that's something you pray today, I just will you tell somebody? Will you let me know or somebody else know? God's a good Father. He loves you. God, we're grateful for this time together. And uh, may you just be, may you be blessed in our worship and our actions. And we thank you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.